Hey, this is Pastor Hubbard. I'm the pastor of Connecting Fellowship and welcome to Life on the Ship. Thank you for joining us. I pray this sermonic discussion inspires you and empowers you to connect with the true and living God. Enjoy the message. All of God's people said amen. Come on, say amen again. Say amen one more time. Amen, amen. Come on and grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles now and turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark. Gospel according to Mark. Chapter 10 is where I want to hang my hat on today. The Gospel according to St. Mark chapter number 10. I want to break right into this text and I want to lift up a narrative, a story that occurred beginning in verse number 46. Reading from the New International Version of the Scriptures, the Word of God says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd was leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Did y'all get that? This is a blind man sitting by the roadside begging. Verse 47 says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49 says, Jesus stopped and called him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Did y'all hear that? Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately, somebody say immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus <laughs> along the road. Would you touch your neighbor and look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Pastor Hubbard's going to talk about what do you want me to do for you? Amen. What do you want me to do for you? If you're taking notes, I want you to write these points down. I want you to see as we process through this passage, I want you to see a dramatic cry. A dramatic cry. 
Secondly, I want you to see a deliberate call. A deliberate call. Then I want you to see a discerning consideration. A discerning consideration. Then in the text, you're going to see a definitive comeback. And then we're going to go home on a delightful conclusion. Did y'all see that? What do you want me to do for you? The concluding message to the church on its 14th anniversary by the Reverend Dr. Mark Dean Haywood, provost and professor of exposition at Grace Theological Seminary, was he is able. He is able was the main idea derived from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus where he writes, now unto him. Who is able? Able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we can ask or think. That's blinding me. According to the power that works within us. It was from these powerful, poetic, and prolific words that Dr. Haywood reminded us of the ableness of God. My brothers and sisters, we serve an able God. We are in relationship <laughs> with an able God. We are the sons and the daughters of one who is able. And I want to know, is there anybody in the house this morning convinced and persuaded that God is able? I said, is there anybody in the building or who's watching us online that can testify that God is capable and strong enough <laughs> to do whatever we need him to do? Somebody ought to declare in this place with a strong voice, God is able. I say with a strong voice, you ought to declare and decree that God is able. Oh, I wish I had somebody who would help me today to preach this, to just help somebody to tell them that God is able. He is able to do whatever you need him to do. I have been blessed, my brothers and sisters, to meet some powerful and prestigious people in my lifetime. But my friends, they were not always able to do whatever I needed them to do. I said, I've met some of the richest men in this world, and, 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 and they I've sat at the table with some of the most powerful movers and shakers in this country, but they were not always willing to do what needed to be done. They had power, they had prestige, and they were connected to powerful partners, but they couldn't do what I needed them to do. Oh, but I come to testify this day that I know somebody whose power exceeds the wealthiest men and women in this world. I said, I know somebody. I said, I know somebody. I know somebody whose wealth makes Elon Musk and his $184 billion look like pennies. 
I said, I know somebody. I know somebody who's got knowledge and business acumen who 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 can make Jeff uh, Bezos and his $116 billion look like a neophyte. I said, I know somebody whose connections are supreme because there's no one higher than he is. In our text, we get a glimpse of him who is able to do whatever we need him to do. Our text, my brothers and sisters, identifies a man who has a problem. His name is Bartimaeus. The Bible reveals his condition as one who is blind. But not only is his condition revealed, but the Bible sheds light on his situation. Bartimaeus' condition has led to his situation of being a beggar. He finds himself a beggar alongside Jericho's road. <laughs> and here it is. Jesus is leaving. He's departing, getting ready to leave Jericho. And he encounters, Lord have mercy, this blind man. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, is blind, I tell you. He is a man whose story is one who has no sight. He is not farsighted. He is not nearsighted. He is a man with no vision. He, he has no physical sight. But because of his condition and his situation, he has no vision for his life beyond begging. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but the truth of the matter is all of us have a story. Can I get a witness here? My brothers and sisters, our lives are a collection of stories and situations. Our lives are cluttered with circumstances that have not always been advantageous to our success. Some of us were born on the wrong side of the track. Some of us were not born with silver spoons in our mouths. Some of us had struggles and some of us come from sordid backgrounds. I wish I had some help here. We have not always enjoyed good times. Some of us have endured some temporary layoffs. Some of us have encountered some easy credit ripoffs. And some of us have been scratching and surviving. And in the words of Langston Hughes, life for me has not always been no crystal stamp. It has had tacks in it and splinters and places with no carpet on the floor. Life for me ain't been no crystal stamp. We may not have been born blind physically, but we've had conditions that have kept us down. We have had conditions that forced us into unwanted situations. Conditions and situations that have strangled the vision right out of us. Can I shout you this morning? That even when your vision is gone, you still have your senses. Oh, y'all missed that. I said, even when you lost your vision, you still have your other senses. Do you not realize that research, research has shown that people who are born blind or who have become blind in their lifetime, their sense of hearing is magnified. Are oh, y'all listening to me? Somebody say magnified. Neuroscientists have found that when vision is lost, the auditory cortex tunes itself to
to discern small differences in sound. Their vision is lost, but their hearing is magnified. Y'all missed that. I said their vision is gone, but their hearing is magnified. Sometimes their other senses are magnified. And here it is. Bartimaeus may be sightless, but he hasn't lost his hearing. How do we know? It's in the text. That, that shocks me because if you can hear, you can turn your situation around. I said if you can only hear, you can turn your situation around. You, you don't have to remain in the condition or your situation. If you can hear, I said, because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 47 says that when he heard that Jesus was in town, I said when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, can't you see him who could not see uh, was coming down the road. He couldn't see who was coming down the road, but he could hear that someone was coming. He couldn't see who was coming, but he knew that there was something different about this noise on Jericho's road. Oh, he had heard noise before, but it wasn't this kind of noise. The book says that when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, the Bible says that he began to shout. <laughs> I said he began to shout, he began to shout, he began to shout. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here is a sightless man who has never encountered Jesus, never seen Jesus with his own physical eyes, and yet somewhere on his learning journey, he heard about this man named Jesus. In my sanctified imagination, can't you see this begging brother sitting on the roadside, begging for assistance? And because of his magnified hearing, <laughs> without use of a hearing aid, Without use of an interpreter, without use of a translator, he overhears the good news of Jesus. He hears how in Mark chapter 1, Jesus cast out an unclean spirit. He hears about how Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. He hears in chapter 2 about how uh, a man who was paralyzed and one day four of his friends carried, yes, carried him to Jesus. Y'all know the story? He he. They, they cut a hole in another man's roof and lowered Jesus down before him because that was the only way they could get him to him because the house was full. And when Jesus saw their faith, he told a man, your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. I said he saw the faith. Sitting by the roadside, he heard about a man in chapter 3 who had a withered hand, and Jesus healed him. Sitting by that same road, he heard how Jesus calmed the storm in chapter 4. Maybe he heard how Jesus gave life back to a young girl and hope to a grieving family when he brought their daughter, Jairus' daughter, back to life. I just believe he heard how Jesus took two fish. Five loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people in chapter 6. 
I just said, I just believe he overheard when Jesus walked on water in chapter 6 and in chapter 7, gave voice and hearing back to a deaf mute man. Y'all not listening to me. I, I believe he heard about Jesus' power over the forces of evil in chapter 9. And because he believes even though he can't see, when he hears that it's Jesus passing by, he believes what he has heard. How do we know? Look at his response. The Bible says he starts shouting. Y'all missed that. I said he starts shouting. Y'all still missed that. I said he starts shouting. He does not concern himself with the perception of the people. He opens up his mouth and he cries out with a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He shouts because shouting commands our victory. He shouts because this is, has become his battle cry. He shouts because he has the faith to believe that the Lord can turn his situation around. And I want to know if there's anybody in the building who don't mind giving some undignified praise to God. I say, is there anybody who needs God to move in your situation, move in the life of your children, move as only God can move? Is there anybody willing to get undignified for God? I said, are you willing to shout until God moves with a voice of triumph? Bartimaeus shouted with a loud voice. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And sometimes, my brothers and sisters, God only delivers when we lay down our pride and elevate our praise. I got to say it one more time. I said, sometimes God only delivers us when we lay down our pride. And we elevate his praise. Sometimes we have to lay down our degrees and, and give God the glory that's due his name. Sometimes we have to lay down our stuffiness and give the Savior his sweet saying. Sometimes we must throw off people's expectations in order to receive God's manifestations. If you need God to move in your life, I double dog dare you to shout. I said I double dog dare you to shout. If you need God to do something, I said, I dare you to shout. If you need God to do whatever you need him to do, I dare you to shout in this place. Shout until you get his attention. Shout until you get on people's nerves. Shout until you get your breakthrough. Now, you need to understand that Bartimaeus was not just making noise. That was substance to his shout. This shout was not just words. This shout, my brothers and sisters, had weight to it. These were heavy words. These were weighty words. And I want to argue, like a prosecuting attorney, that it was his cry for mercy that arrested the master. His undignified praise may have gotten Jesus' attention, but it was his cry for mercy, yes, Lord, that arrested the master. You see, because when Jesus heard his cry for mercy, the procession stopped. When Jesus heard his appeal for mercy, the Lord said, hold up, wait a minute. I, I heard an appeal for mercy. There's something, somebody in this crowd that needs an unmerited gift. There's somebody in this crowd that needs something that they don't deserve. Can I shout somebody in here this day? Mercy always triumphs. Y'all missed that. I know it's hot in here, but I said mercy 
always triumphs. Mercy always wins. Look at your neighbor and say, mercy wins. Mercy wins. Mercy wins. Mercy. Mercy wins. Look at verse 49. Verse 49 says, Jesus stopped (laughs) and said, call him. Can I add this to the gumbo? The same people who don't want you shouting. God will use them to bring you to him. Y'all missed that? I said the same folk who don't want you to shout, the same folk who want you to keep your mouth closed, the same people that want you to keep quiet. Somebody has told you to tone it down. Somebody has told you it don't take all of that. Somebody has told you, God, ah, ah, but can I tell you, you need to tell them, mind your own business. You might need to look at your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, mind your own business. Because I need something that only God can provide. I need something that only God can do. Mind your business. You need to mind your business. Maybe the world would be in a better place if people just mind their business. Maybe there'd be more miracles if people just mind their business. Maybe God would do a whole lot more if people would just mind their business. You tell them to mind your business, mind your business. Bartimaeus just kept on shouting, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me because mercy always triumphs. Mercy always wins. They told him to hush, but he kept on crying. They told him to be quiet, but he kept on shouting. And when you are ready for a change, and I'm talking about a real change, can I get one witness here? You will cry out. I said you will cry out. Maybe that's the reason some people are still in the mess that they're in. Maybe that's the reason why many people are still stuck in their conditions and their situations. It's because, not because God is powerless. It is because they're not ready to throw off what hinders them. They won't let go of the bottle. They won't put down the needle. They remain in the puff, puff, pass, pass rotation. They won't tell them to call Tyrone. They, they keep answering the hotline bling. They, they, they keep settling for booty calls and one night stands. And when you are ready to come out of your condition, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to throw off what has hindered you. The Bible says Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, y'all. Jumped to his feet came to Jesus. The songwriter put it this way. I came to Jesus just as I was. I was weary, wounded, and sad, but I found in him a resting place. I wish I had a witness and he has made me glad. Is anybody glad to know him? Is there anybody glad to know him? I said, is there anybody who's ecstatic that I know him? And not only do I know him, but he knows me. He got an audience with the greatest one in history because he cried out. He he kept on crying out. He got an audience with God himself. He got an audience with Jesus who is God in the flesh. And Jesus asked this brother, what do you want from me? My brothers and sisters, this is the hinge to the text. This is the hinge to the text because it doesn't matter what he has heard about Jesus if he doesn't answer this question correctly. His shouting would have been in vain if he does not answer this question correctly. 
God, my brothers and sisters, always asks penetrating questions. In a very real sense, God is a questionologist. Y'all know what a questionologist is, don't you? A questionologist is one who makes queries. A questionologist is one who knows what to ask and how to ask. Questionology is one who causes you to ponder and consider a matter before you ever respond. This is not the first time Jesus has asked questions. The Bible says that one day Jesus was leaving uh, Caesar Philippi and walking with his disciples, he asked them, who do men say that I am? The Bible says, they said, well, some of you are John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, and some say you are Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then the questionologist asked a probing question. But who do you say that I am? Now, you know who answered Simon Peter? Peter said that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter, but my father who is in heaven. The questionologist always asks questions to clarify when someone is and what someone wants. Are y'all listening to me? Some of you can testify that your parents are questionologists. Can I get a witness here? They're always asking questions. Where are you going? Who you going with? How long you going to be gone? Where you going? When you going to get back? What you going to be doing when you get over that? I said parents are always asking questions and you grown. <laughs> Can I get a witness here? Uh, if you can't ask, if you can't say amen, just look at me and blink real fast. But Jesus said to Bartimaeus, <laughs> what, do, <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? You need to know what Bartimaeus did not ask for. Bartimaeus did not ask for riches. He did not ask for a reputation. He did not ask, yes, for a relaxing vacation. But he did, my brothers and sisters, ask for a remedy. He said, Rabbi, Rabbi. I want to see. Can't y'all hear me saying I want to see? I've been blind most of my life. I want to see. Are y'all in here? And can't y'all hear him, Jesus? Hear him shouting? And I'm about to shout right now because out of all of the miracles Jesus performed, can I tell somebody that none of them contained riches? Did y'all hear what I just said? I said, out of all of the miracles that Jesus performed, none of them contained riches. Jesus never made a person rich because that wouldn't have been a miracle. Oh my God, help me today. Because a miracle is something that only God can do. Do you not realize that God gave us, gave us gifts that can produce wealth, but we have to work it? God gave us hands to craft and to build, but you have to use them. God gave us seed, but we have to put them in the ground. We have to water them. Lord have mercy. Jesus never gave wealth to anyone because 
because he already has given us the power to get wealth. We just have to work it. But if you need God to do what only he can do, can I preach it today like I feel it? God will do it. Bartimaeus asked for vision. And do you not realize that vision will give you your life back? Vision will alter your condition. Vision will change your situation and your circumstances. Somebody holler and shout, Lord, I want to see. Oh, I need about 20 folk in here who really want to see, who, who really want God to give me my vision back. Give me my vision back for my marriage. Give me my vision back for my love life. Give me my vision back to love again. Give me my vision back to go to. Give me my vision back so that I can be what you want me to be. Well, I got to leave you now. May the Lord bless you real good. But there is a delightful conclusion. Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. And I think y'all see it in the text. He didn't need no laying of hands. He didn't need no ointment. He didn't need nobody to rub his eyes. He didn't have to go and see the town's optometrist. He didn't need to go to the pool and wash his eyes. The Bible says, because he had faith. I said, because he had faith, the Bible says that he got his sight back. Because he believed, yes, the report about who Jesus is. And because he believed the report about who Jesus is, it, it, it moved to his mouth and it caused him to cry out. And because he cried out, uh, he received mercy because he had faith. He received his sight, I tell you. And I want to ask somebody, ain't God all right? I said, ain't God a good God? I said, we serve an able God. A God with all power. Not just some power, but he's got all power. I wish I had 20 people who were holler. He got all power. He got all power. He got all power. Not some power, but all power. He's got power to set free. Power to deliver. Power to forgive. Power to set form. Power to heal. Power to turn lives all around. I said he's got all power. And I want to know, is there anybody who wants to touch into that power? And all you need is just a little bit of faith. Because if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell some stuff to get out of my way. And that stuff would have to get to skipping. Can I get a witness here? Somebody's on a sick bed and, and, you, and God is asking you, what do you want me to do? Somebody's mind is fractured and God is asking, what do you want me to do? Somebody's concerned about their children and God is asking the same old question. What do you want me to do? Somebody needs employment and God is asking, what do you want me to do? 
would you just touch somebody and tell them, I recommend Jesus. I recommend Jesus because he's a heart fixer and a mind regulator. I recommend Jesus because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. I said, I recommend Jesus because he is, he is, he is. He's the only one who can turn our situations around. He's the only one who can give a blind man his sight back. He's the only one who can take a withered hand and make it whole again. He's the only one who can touch a, a casket and cause that child to get up again. Whatever you need. I said, whatever you need, whatever you need, God's got it, I tell you. Look, somebody ought to holler, God's got it. You ought to say it like you mean it. God's got it. Whatever you need, whatever you need him to do, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we are able to ask or to think. And I got to leave you now, but what do you want him to do? He's waiting on you to call on his name because he's able. You ought to shout and thank God that he is an able God. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message by Pastor Hubbard and the staff of Life on the Ship. For more information about our church, go to connectingfellowship.org. We are Connecting Fellowship, connecting people to Christ, church, and community. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week, and God bless you.